Lord, somebody is blessed. God is still in the blessing business. He's still on the throne. He is still able, uh, and he is faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, um, <laughs> I'm a, I have a confession to make before I begin, and I need your prayers. Because I was not looking forward to preaching this Saturday. I was not looking forward to this assignment. Um, I don't know if you know, but five days out of the week, when I'm not here, I'm working as a hospice chaplain dealing with heavy stuff day in and day out. And uh, to be honest with you, I look forward to Sabbath because I can put all of the heavy stuff behind me. So when, when, when we got our, 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 our topic for, for uh, our sermon schedule, I saw that I was scheduled to preach on grief and mental health. I said, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to be honest with you, there's no getting around grief. It's a part of life. And um, as, as unpleasant as the subject can be, we do have hope, Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, grief and mental health. I want to ask you for your prayers as we pray together. Please pray for this vessel that God will use me in spite of me. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, I, I'm, I'm here. And thank you, Lord, for working in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our faults, in spite of God, of our human frailty. Truly, you are God who does wonders. You do anything. You can do anything you want to do with anything or anyone you want to do it with. with, with do it with. So simply, Father, our prayer this morning or this afternoon is that, God, you will take this nothingness that stands before you, place a live coal from your altar of grace, place it upon my lips, and purge me, and then put your spirit within me, that I may speak your word, and that your people listening and, and watching wherever they are, Whoever they are, that God, you will speak a word in due season to them that they may hear and receive it and be empowered to live and to love for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we go. Let's, let's go to that first slide. This the next slide. Grief and mental health. What is grief? Grief is the reaction of a heart that has been broken by loss. How many of us have had our hearts broken 
by loss. I'm sure most hands, if not all hands, are going up all around this sanctuary. We've all been touched by grief, but there is a good word for us if we hold on. All right, next slide, please. Grief is a reaction to loss. The way we experience grief is, if you can see that, is, is what? It's very individual. We each grieve in our own way, just like we all have different fingerprints, thumbprints. That's how unique each of our grief experience is. All right? And because of that, there are no universal stages to grief, or there are no rules to grief, all right? There's no, there's no manual. I, I, I've been, you know, been uh, doing uh, grief work specifically for a couple of years, but, uh, but pastoral counseling many years before that. There's no manual on how to grieve. There's simply, you must grieve. We'll get to that. Right? People have many different styles of grieving. Um, some may express their grief verbally or cry easily. Others may channel their grief into activity. Okay? Um, some of us are a mix of ways of coping with grief. But grief, I like to use uh, the analogy uh, quite often. Grief is like the ocean. And you are on a surfboard. Now you can address yourself to the, if you're on that surfboard, you can address yourself to the ocean in one of two ways. You can try and go against the ocean, against the waves, and get wiped out. Or you can get on the surfboard and ride the wave. Ride the wave. That's the way that we grieve as we ride that wave, and wherever the wave carries us, that's where we must go in grief, all right? There's no timetable to grief. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm reminded when I, when, I, when, I, when I see that every time, I'm reminded of a lady, a dear lady, a dear sister who was mourning in mourning uh, for her husband who had died on Sabbath morning on their way to church, and they found him dead on the bathroom floor of a massive heart attack. And she mourned for 10 years, but her mourning was very public because one of the things that they did faithfully, she and her husband before he died, they were always in church on Sabbath and they were always praising God, especially um, on, on, on certain Sabbaths when the choir was supposed to sing, they would be in the choir singing together, praising God. And she never stopped that. But only this time, she would be in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the choir stand. And, 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 and she, you know, every time there was a song, she would cry. She would bawl. And, and, and friends would be, be nearby to, more to, to comfort her and console her. But, but for a long time, she was inconsolable. And if we used to think, we, we used to wonder, well, you know, is this, is this, is this healthy? Is this, is this okay? I mean, is she going to be okay? I mean, it seems like this has been going on for a long time, for years now. 
But it was all very normal. No two people grieve alike, right? There's no timetable for grief. However, over time, the pain does lessen, and we return to similar and sometimes better levels of functioning. There is a resolution to grief. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, next slide, please. All right. Let's go to the book of Ruth. We're going to read together. Uh, beginning verse 1 here. Together. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Next slide, please. And the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his sons, Malin and Chilean, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. I saw, I, I heard y'all get quiet on those folks' names. <laughs> oh, Lord, if the Lord allows me, I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm going to write my own Bible called the Ebonics Bible. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do something with these names, okay? We're going to fix, first thing we're going to fix is these names, right? Malin and Chilean, you know, we're going to work with that anyway. They came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Oprah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And then Malin and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Lord have mercy. You know, we, we, we like to say when it rains, it pours. And it certainly did rain and pour upon poor Naomi uh, and, uh, and now her, uh, her daughters-in-law, the, the bereaved daughters-in-law, Oprah and Ruth. Uh, let's continue to that next slide here. See, I wanted to go to this story because um, Ruth's story, the, the, the book of Ruth and uh, Naomi and Ruth's story um, is a, a good conversation starter about grief and, 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 and mental health. First of all, let's understand this about grief. Grief is not a mental disorder. Let's be clear about that. There's, there's, you know, there's, grief is fine. Grief is normal. Grief is actually God-given. You know these things here, you know, when we get, we get those, uh, those eye allergies, especially the men, we get the, the male allergies, the eye allergies. You know, we, we start shedding tears. You know what those tears are for. Those tears are to help relieve pain. Jesus built those in because he knew what grief would do to us. Amen? All right, so it's not a mental disorder. It's healthy. It's a God-given coping mechanism. When we experience overwhelming, heartbreaking loss, however, grief that is not well attended to may lead to adverse mental health outcomes. So I got a little statistic in here. 7% um, of bereaved older adults will develop the mental health condition of complicated grief. All right? Now, it used to be, it used to be, um, you know, just, just, just kind of sort of surveying the literature out there on this. It used to be that, uh, that the, uh, and it still is, I'm sorry, it still is, 
in the DSM-5, the, the, uh, which is the sort of like the manual for, for mental health, you know, the, the conditions and things that they use for diagnosis and so forth, it used to be that, uh, that they didn't pay much attention to complicated grief because they said, well, you know, grief is grief. But lately, now they're suggesting that, you know, that we have to look at complicated grief a little more closely because if, if, if grief is not, is not well attended to, if it's not, if it's not um, uh, actually, actually engaged and, and the person goes through the process in the normal way, it could become a very serious thing. So in complicated grief, the movement from acute to integrated grief is derailed. And grief symptoms remain severe and impairing. And I, I don't know uh, what kind of things you say can derail grief. Well, take the, uh, take the case of two postal workers. Two postal workers. Well, they, you know, these, these postal workers develop a relationship um, and, and, they, and they fall in love with each other. Only one problem, they're both married. Um, and, 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 and so uh, the, 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 the husband of the, uh, of, of the wife who was the postal worker, um, he, he decides he's going to, to take care of business. And he, he goes to the post office with his gun. And, 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 and uh, he confronts his wife's lover on the job there uh, at the post office. And you knew this brother didn't care because, look, you, first of all, you, you, you're bringing a gun to the fight. Second of all, you're going to the, to the post office. You're going to a federal installation. You know, anything that goes down on federal installation, you, you, the time you're going to get is going to be, you know, four or five times more than what you wouldn't get normally for that crime. So as, as this, this thing went down, this, this, uh, this, 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 uh, ang this angry and, uh, and, and uh, really hostile husband confronts uh, his wife's lover there at the post office. Um, he, he tries to shoot him, but the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the boyfriend of his wife, um, boyfriend, I shouldn't use that word, boyfriend, but, yeah, you know, he has a gun too. And so they're having a gunfight just outside the post office. And uh, the husband, he got hit, but he's a better shot. So he returned fire and, and hit and struck his wife's lover and killed him. Um, so the, uh, the, 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 the gentleman dies, and the husband has gone to jail for a very long time, you know, for, uh, for, for murder, for homicide, uh, which they reduce, I think, to a lesser crime because of, you know, the intricacies of law, whatever, whatever you have you. But think about the wife's grieving process. In fact, think about everybody's grieving process who is affected by that situation. Think about the, um, the family of the man who has been killed. Think about the husband. Think about the wife. Think about their families and everybody else involved in that. It's a complicated grief situation. Now, when I did the funeral... I have never seen a church more packed. Every, every, every available seat in our sanctuary, we sit the seat, that's, that sanctuary uh, seated about maybe 300, 400. Um, and, and we put, put chairs out in the aisles. 
Uh, why? It wasn't just you know, large families. There was large family. However, there were many more people who wanted to know who was going to show up at this funeral. Now, thankfully, God blessed. Everybody behaved. Amen. And, and, and forgiveness flowed throughout the place. All right? A complicated grief situation. Just because the grief is complicated doesn't mean it can be problematic, but if not well attended to, it can become problematic. What, what, what's the main thing that, that as a, as a, uh, as a, a, uh, a counselor, uh, as, as a grief counselor, as a therapist, um, that we worry about when we're talking about grief, we worry, we worry about folk not forgiving. Yeah, not accepting and not forgiving. That, that will complicate your grief process and it can lead to other problems as well. Next slide, please. All right, so here, again, Ruth. Powerful, powerful story. Um, Ruth, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, says this. So they, they too, Naomi and Ruth, went until they came to Bethlehem. And why were they there? They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi was going back home, but she was going back home because there was food there. There was grain where they were in Moab, where they had moved to because of famine in the first place, if, you know, they, the famine got bad there. So not only uh, are Naomi and Ruth grieving loss of, 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 of their husbands, uh, they are also in the process of having to quickly pick up and move, which is a major stressor. Moving is a major stressor, right? So you're dealing with two, at least two major stressors in life already. You know, grief and, and moving. But here they are, they, 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 they come to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? Because yeah, Naomi hadn't been home in a long time. And they, and they missed her. And, they, and, and, and then, you know, they, she's telling them all the story. You know, because, you know, when you lose a loved one, as, 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 concerned and as, as, as well-meaning and well-intended those around you are, they want to know what happened. And you have to tell the story. And sometimes you get tired of telling the story. Amen? Because even, even the, the, the act of, of, of rehearsing the story is painful. Isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's stirring stuff up. You know, so, but, but, but Naomi, in the midst of all this, she tells them, don't even call me Naomi anymore. You know, because you know her name, Naomi, means pleasant. She says, now, call me Mara. For the Almighty have dealt very bitterly with me. Mara means bitter. You know, grief can make you bitter. I mean, let's be real. So, so, you know, God gave us all kinds of wonderful emotions. He gave, he, gave us, he gave us joy. He gave us laughter. He gave us happiness. 
But he also gave us sadness. He also gives us anger. He also gives us bitterness. And all of those emotions are engaged in grief. And so what we're seeing is someone, someone just kind of surface reading will look at this and say, well, why didn't we react like that? Well, why not? What's wrong with being angry? What's wrong with being bitter? Uh, there's a family I re- recently was ministering to. And their loved one, their daughter, some, a mere 30 years old, was dying of cancer. And uh, when, when, I, when I encountered them, um, you know, by habit, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a chaplain. I want to pray for patients, right? But I'm careful to ask first. And this particular time, I'm glad that I asked if the family would like prayer. And they said no. Okay, some of y'all, hmm. You let something get you so angry, mad, up, 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 upset, and see if you want to pray in that moment. But recognize that anger is a legitimate response in grief. Being angry, and, and, yes, and angry with God <gasps> is a legitimate response to grief. So they said no, and, 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 and you know, and, and oh, okay, I can just go out of the room. No. It's an opportunity to sit down. Tell me about your anger. You talk about it. You speak what's on your heart. You create a space. The grieving person, the grieved person, and, 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 and if you're trying to support the, the, the person who wants to be there to, to support, you create a safe space for, 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 if you're grieving, for yourself to let it out. And if you want to support, you're there to listen. I've got a running list. I have a running list of, of, of things not to say in grief, Christine. I keep a running list. Uh, I, was, I, was, I happened to be in earshot when, when a, 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 a well-meaning mother uh, told, her, uh, told her bereaved son, you're young, you can get another wife. Sometimes the best thing you can do Being quiet is an option. It's a good, it's a great option. How about just shut up? Just, just, just don't say anything. Just, silence is golden. Silence is golden. And it's amazing to me that we have a whole book, Bible book, Job, dedicated to grief. And we are so I'm looking for a nice word. We're so clueless. <laughs> Hopefully we don't ask guy, though. <laughs> I try to be real. We're clueless when it comes to grief. Because you know what grief does? Grief makes us dumb. 
Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. Grief makes us dumb. Grief makes us stupid. You know why? Because grief is so overwhelming, it wipes out any, 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 any rational dealing. Because this thing is, let me tell you, grief is so overwhelming. Like, it, 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 it takes everything in us out of us. It will take your breath away. And, and, and when we're standing outside of, of someone's grief, we, you know, we want to be there. We, we want to, we you know, we want to say, say something. But see, saying something is probably the last thing that we need to do. But what we can do, which we want to work on, is learning how to be present with one another. In our grief, just, just, you know, just be there. Okay. So, so, so Naomi said, don't even call me my name. Call me Mara. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. You know, one of the things that happens in grief is it really challenges our faith in God. It, it, it brings you, it forces you to really consider or question, God, why? What just happened? What has happened? And this is the process that, 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 they know, that Naomi's going through. She, she's feeling very bitter. She's, she's, she's feeling almost betrayed. Because she has gone through not just losing her husband, but also losing, burying both her sons. And the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, how they died or when they died. You know, did they die? Did the sons die together, or or what happened? But just losing your children, burying your children. Lord have mercy. So she says, "Look, I went out full." And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Some of us are mad at God right now. But I want you to know it's all right, it's okay. God is okay with your anger. He's not afraid of you. No, you know, he's okay with it. But what he's not okay with is when we don't bring our anger to him. Because we forget that in the midst of our grief and in the midst of our pain, guess who's there? Guess who shows up? Guess who is there? You know, the Bible says the Lord is near to those who are of a broken heart. It's not talking, just talking about the, the brokenheartedness or contrition for sin. It's talking about when your heart is broken. The Bible says in all of our affliction, he was afflicted. 
His heart is broken when your heart is broken. We've got to open up our minds to a, 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 a wider, larger paradigm of God. See, God is not just strong and powerful. He is tender-hearted, full of compassion. If he numbers the hair of your head, every hair of your head is numbered, what do you think he does with your feelings? Ah! All right, next slide, please. Next slide. Next slide. See, the only way to get through grief, the only cure for grief, complicated grief, is to grieve. Is to grieve. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm on a one-man one mission to change the language of grieving that we speak, we commonly speak. Uh, well, I got to be strong for my family. What the? What is, what, is, what is that? What is that? What does that even mean? I got to be strong. Man, when grief hits you, like the wave that it is, I'm going to be strong. Okay, you just, you're going to wipe out. We get it. I get it. Okay, you want to hold it together because you're that one in the family now. You're that one. You're the one, you know, um, um, if, if, you know if mama died, and mama who was the rock of the family, who kind of kept everybody together and got everybody together when, when that needed to happen, and she, she's dead now, and, and everyone's just, you know, just, 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 just losing it with their, their grief and, and with their pain, but you want to hold it together because, look, y'all, we, we got a funeral to plan. We got to get this. Or, you know, we got to get, we got to, you know, go, somebody got to go and talk to Jimmy because uh, Jimmy's in prison right now, and, and he's going to lose his mind, and, you know, somebody got to hold it together. We get that. But what I don't get is trying to hold back that wave of grief. It's like trying to plug uh, a, a, a break in a dam with your finger. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because it's too much. It's okay to grieve. You have to give yourself permission to grieve, to let go. Blessed are they that mourn, Jesus said, for they shall be comforted. Now, we want to talk about somebody who is here for us in our grief. I don't, it wasn't too long ago that my uncle died. And when that, when, when I got news, first of all, the way I got the news was through a text message. I'm still upset about that thing. 
And I'll I, I, I let the one who sent that text message, let him have it. I said, man, you don't, don't do that. But it really wasn't how I received the, the message. It was the message itself. My uncle's dead. And my reaction, which I was not prepared for, which you, you cannot prepare for this kind of stuff. I don't care if you've known the person, uh, uh, you know, for, for the longest time, and you know, know they've been dying for the longest time, and they've lived to be 150 years old. It still hits you like a ton of bricks. But my reaction was anger. God, how dare you do that to me? How dare you take my uncle away from my auntie? How dare you leave her alone? <laughs> and then when my anger subsided, the tears began to flow. The amazing thing about our God is that he bottles every tear. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about. He pities every groan. He even, he catches those too. Every tear that we cry, every, 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 every tear-stained pillow, everything about our grief, God knows all about it, and he's there. He's here for us. Jesus, our Savior, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And talk about the ultimate heartbreak. Bible took, says that he took upon himself all, all of our griefs. He carried all of our sorrows. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle to carry my own sorrow. How in the world could Jesus carry all of our sorrows? But he does it. And this is what he says. All those tears you've cried. Every heartache and heartbreak you felt. I know it all. And I make a promise to you. One day. I'm going to wipe away. Every one of your tears. Now I don't know what you, I don't, I don't know what, how you hear that, but I'm, 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 I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I'm thinking when he, when he says he's going to wipe away every one of our tears. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm pitching myself in heaven. I hope you see, see yourself there. But I'm, I'm pitching myself in heaven, and I, I'm pitching myself in a, uh, a, um, a, a very intense conversation with my heavenly father, and, and, and we're going through the books together. I'm saying, Father, what, why? 
I've never understood this. Help me understand this. But what I see and what I hear in my mind's eye, I see him taking the time to explain. Not that I'm going to understand it. But just to let me know that I was there. I did the very best. And I'm going to make this better for you. If you're grieving, God says, I'm here. I'm doing the very best. And I'm going to make this better. Told y'all I didn't want to preach this, right? Because for me, this surface is a lot of pain. And I don't know if you're hearing this, wherever you are, you're hearing this, you're watching this. It may be surfacing a lot of pain for you. But I'm glad to tell you that there is a healer. There is a balm in Gilead. God will one day wipe all of our tears away. He will one day give us beauty for ashes. He will take away the heartache and the heartbreak. And somebody said that all this stuff we've gone down through here that we go, down, go through down here, God's going to make it all worth it all. After a while. And you won't have to cry no more. You won't have to cry no more. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Father. Thank you for being our burden bearer. Thank you, Lord, for noticing <laughs> it may escape, escape everyone else's attention, but you noticed when Sister Sally walked in here with her heart heavy because she had to walk in here alone. You notice those tears that somebody cried into their pillow last night. Your spirit ever present ministers comfort to those who mourn. Lord, you keep our minds together. When it feels like our, our world is falling apart, 
Somebody listening to this prayer, their world has been turned upside down. There are mornings when they know they have to go to work but can't find the strength to get out of the bed. They're trying their best to function. But this wave of grief has hit them and sent them reeling. But God, before the, before the wave drowns us under his force, you extend your hand you lift us up out of the miry waves. You rescue us. You give us strength to carry on. Somebody here? They've been hit by that wave. Their hearts are heavy. try not to think about it, but sometimes that just can't be avoided. But you are inviting them to take their sorrow, to take their heartache, their, their pain, and bring it to you. Keep bringing it to you. It doesn't matter how they bring it. They may have to shout at you, scream at you, ball cry, whatever it takes you say, just bring it to me. And I promise you, I'm going to make it better. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will bring you to a place of recovery. And I'm going to wipe all your tears away. need God to do that for you. I don't even want, what, what I want you to do, I, I just want you to, just to put your hand up. Just put your hand up. God, I just need you to do this for me. I need you to touch and heal my heart, my broken heart. Touch my loved ones. Their hearts are broken and I don't know what to do for them. I don't know how to console them. My friend, I don't know how to console him or her. But I want to be present to help them with grief. And Lord, you help me. You be present with me to help me with mine. Grief is tearing some families apart. Because the grief has surfaced some things that were perhaps already there, but grief just amplifies what's already there. The surface was already there. And the thing threatens to tear down everything that they've built up. God, be with our hurting families. Lord, make us whole 
resolve our grief enough, Father, so that we can go forth and minister to others who are grieving, others who are hurting, others who are in pain. Help us to recognize, because sometimes we look at what people do and don't understand where they're coming from. We look at the acting out. We look at we look at the outburst, the angry outburst. We look at the uh, the, the the depression or other things that are going on. But but but, but the, do we take the time to talk? Just 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 talk to them and or and listen to them and, and say, man, what what's going on? I'm here for you. Thank you for this. Spirit of comfort, the comforter, the Holy Spirit who comforts us in all of our affliction. God, we need comforting all around this sanctuary, Father. Grief has touched every life in this, in this room, Father, and, and lies beyond this room, God. We're praying for the comforter who brings us comfort to come. And we, we invite him in, Father. We invite the Holy Spirit to come in and take control and, 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 and soothe our, 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 and heal our broken hearts and, 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 and attend to our wounded spirits, Father. Help us to know that, God, you are truly our help in time of need. Bless you, God. Before we close, we would be remiss to not open the doors of the church. Because what we have here, beloved, whoever you are, wherever you are, you have a room full of people who have been through some things and who are going through some things. We don't tell it all. But if you get close enough to us, you're going to hear some stories. You're going to hear some, some trials. You're going to see us some tears. But you're going to hear some testimonies, too, of broken people who come to this family, this church family, this grace community, who come for support who come for, for, for healing, who come for deliverance, who come bringing their brokenness to Jesus so he can heal us all. Doors of the church are open. If you need to come, if you, did, if you are here, you're not a part of this community, this grace community family, you say, I want to be a part of a church of real people with real problems that come to worship and serve a real God who can take care of their problems and their needs. If you want to be part of this, I will invite you to come down forward. Just come forward. It's not going to be long with this appeal. If you're here.